keep back looking. under the rug we go we're, we're gonna keep looking into this exactly we're gonna keep looking into this and we're gonna let you guys know every we promise we're gonna try our very best that's exactly it Welcome to the Dylan and Joe Basement Podcast. That's basement with a B. We're your hosts, Dylan. Oh. <laughs> Dylan <laughs> and Joe. Welcome for our second live podcast. We're recording live. It'll come to you. It'll feel like it's live because we're in person. We're chatting with you, talking. And this is another amazing week at the Basement Podcast. This time we're filming in an undisclosed location, location in Rhode Island. And here we are, Dylan. What are we talking about today? Today, we are starting out the subject with decades of denial to the public from the U.S. government about, in recent terms, UAPs, also known as UFOs, also known as unidentified flying objects, also known as unidentified aerial phenomenon. And we're diving into this a little bit because of recent news, right? I mean, yeah. we, we obviously thrilled all you folks with our original Monolith podcast, just as the news were getting hot. We've been off of current events for a while, but because of the fact that this shit's coming out soon, I thought it was a great idea that you brought up. We should do the shit now before the rest of the documents are put out there, and we can really talk about it before that. Yeah, in public disclosure. So yeah. um, early in 20, or late 2020, there was a several billion dollar bill put out there by Donald Trump and he snuck in something that uh, says the uh, essentially the Senate needs to know what is going on with the we're gonna, from here on out UAPs are unidentified aerial phenomenon and he's having the director of um, sorry the D- director of national intelligence and the Secretary of Defense are to produce a statement or a, or a couple or a document, Stating what they know about UFOs or UAPs from in today's day. So it's our turn to tell you guys, our favorite people, our listeners, what our actual relatively unique theory is on this. Because we found that there are three different pieces in motion that specifically 60 Minutes did not disclose. It's one-sided. Episode 27, UFOs. You heard it here first. So Dylan, I think that you're the resonated, the designated rather expert on this thing. You know, I know a little bit about UFOs, this and the other thing. So I'm going to hand it over to you to deal with me for most of it to see where you want to go with it. Cause you already have a thesis on when you want to talk about it, but obviously I got to do my usual thing of poking holes in it, asking questions about it. And I want to say straight up before we actually go into it too much, I'm not totally against all this shit. I, a lot of the shit, especially recently from really reputable sources has me, uh, 
excited about the news coming out and what's actually going to be going down. So I'm not just going to be playing shit ball on you the whole time, which I do love to do, but you're going to give me a little bit of leeway in between to pull Colson with you and bounce back and forth. So I'm ready whenever you are, man. Let's yeah, get started. Where do you want to start off? Yeah, so we start off already with a brief disclosure yeah. on what is going on. Um, and we, we thought it was worth it to talk to you guys because of 60 Minutes. Yeah, fresh news. Uh, fresh news. Scale. And we saw it live um, sitting at a bar. Um, mm-hmm. I was like, I knew today was the day that I could talk about it. And I didn't learn anything new. And most of the people I know and the, you know, that I talked to about stuff like this it's didn't either. Business as usual for you. You're like, I knew all this shit already. Yeah. I know who uh, David Fravor is. I know about the Tic Tac. I know about this and the other thing. But I think the majority of our listeners probably don't know that whole yeah. lot about that. So obviously we can't take them through the entire saga of everyone's career, mm-hmm. but it's opposed. But we will. <laughs> but we'll get, yeah, we will, we will get through we'll it. it. I just mean that all the intricacies of Bob Lazar's career, I'm not really interested in going through all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, we're not going to do any too crazy deep dives. Yeah, we'll, we'll ask things. about, you know, the legitimacy of each of the sources and shit like that. But yeah, let's just see where, let's just see where let's we're see going. Where it goes. So would you want to start with the 60 Minutes interview? Because it is basically on the heels of the news that they're going to have to be releasing all this information. Yeah, this is the most current event that we can possibly talk about. And the for the record, they already did introduce that um, the U.S. government says that there is such a thing as unidentified flying objects named to them as... UAP or unidentified aerial phenomena, which I don't know why you have to name it differently, just because there's too many flying saucers in their head. You got to name it something cuter. The military is pretty good at naming stuff strategically. Well, it's like I a think, marketing department for naming. Things. Yeah, I think uh, yeah, honestly, because it's you know UFO. The term UFO is it's so invented in the '40s or something. Like yeah, that. yeah. So this is um, and a lot of these sightings are are just. Um, you know, looks like lights or a weird shape in the sky or something like that. So they call yeah. it phenomenon because they can't say that it's an object. Yeah, it could be uh, like you know, whatever, could be a light a, or an energy, energy or thing or gas right. or whatever. They, I, they I don't really that. know. So, yeah. Um, so yeah. So that's that's that. And so the idea on the sixty minutes thing is what? Let's do it. Yeah, a, a super super quick overview of the sixty minutes. So mm-hmm. about a week ago, no, a little over a week ago. 60 Minutes um, aired uh, an episode about UAPs. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing is that this was the reason this all came to fruition on 60 Minutes is because of um, a specific guy whose name is. Um, Lou Alizondo? Yes, but even more importantly, uh, there was. Uh, oh my God, I don't have his fucking name. Um, who is he? Who is he? He was the um, deputy assistant to the Secretary of Defense mm-hmm. um, during the Clinton and Bush administrations. All right. And what he specifically did is he had access to a lot of information over the past years. And his what he did specifically is bring this to the media. So about a year ago, let's say January 2020, they first started making, they started declassifying three different videos of um, UFOs coming from Navy fighter pilots. All right, and this this occurrence was in the far past, though. It, it was in the first video was 2004, which was the Tic Tac with David Fraser. Yeah. So even um, though this is current news, it just came out mm-hmm. for the majority of the public. Most people don't really know about this, um, but it did happen a while ago. So it's been knowledge within that branch of the military for a long time now. Yeah. It's only at this moment that people are coming out and talking about it because it's become. An unclassified situation. I know a lot of the Navy pilots were a little bit concerned about coming out about the information. 
not only because of the fact that they're worried if it's classified information or not, but there's a lot of stigma that gets loaded on you when you start to talk about uh, things like UFOs or UAPs or what have you. Yeah, and they get made fun of. So these, right. um, the, the first, some of these sightings, they would, you know, they would land on the carrier, mm-hmm. um, and the, you know, within minutes, the whole entire aircraft carrier and fleet knows about it, and every TV has Men in Black or has signs or Independence Day playing on the TV and everyone's making fun of them because little green spacemen. Sure. But that's not what we're talking about here. No. Um, I mean, it is, but it isn't. So that's... Um, so, anyway, so so there's a lot of things because the the, the, the road to disclosure is complicated because mm-hmm. it goes through the Department of Defense. So it starts yeah. with... It starts with no one thing. The public I don't now. know why. Doesn't even matter how hard you try. Keep that in mind. I've been signed this rhyme to finish the podcast and I'll shut up oh, now. Uh, no. It starts with I don't know why it doesn't even matter how hard you try. So yeah, so the road is kind of crazy. So we have the Secretary of Defense going from um, to the media, mm-hmm. which then goes to Congress, and then the Department of Defense takes it seriously. So it goes okay. public, Congress taken seriously um, at that point. So mm-hmm. um, so that led to the Director of National Intelligence and the Secretary of Defense to provide a report sometime in June of this situation. So, um, 60 Minutes aired a special telling everyone what we know. They basically interviewed, um, I think, three F-18 Hornet pilots um, who were part of these these sightings from 2004 to essentially present day mm-hmm. off of the coast of Virginia Beach and San Diego. Yeah. And um, just basically these people, the government spends millions of dollars on training Telling them and teaching them to be trained observers. 99.9% of the time, they're not shooting people down. They're looking at things. Right, yeah. So the first one in 2004 was Commander David Fravor. Um, he was now, David Fravor, we're going to remember that name for the rest of the discussion always. He's, he's a very pretty important. important figure in here. Important guy. Because he's not only um, an expert observer, as you were just mentioning, he is actually the, the wing commander of his group. Uh, and he's he? a Top Gun graduate. There you go. So we're not talking some fucking... Idiot. We're not talking about two podcast people with uh, who think they saw a UFO. No. We're talking. We're talking about commander. Maverick and Iceman and even Goose. Yeah, Top exactly. Gun graduates. Top Gun graduate David Fravor, and he's the commander of the squadron on the USS Nimitz, which was the Nimitz carrier group. Um, so he's up there in his F eighteen. They have a uh, it's called a weapon systems we- weapon systems officer sits in the back seat, and he mm-hmm. flies the airplane. The WSO visualizes things controls jamming radars other different it's a crazy it's a cool role it's what uh, goose was on the f-14 tomcats and just called the rso then yeah um so you have david fravor and then you have his like um uh someone else it was two f-18s and they were they were out there to go investigate something that was being that was caught on radar on the uss um princeton um, because they were out doing a training exercise, but they then they get diverted. They got diverted for I don't remember what the exact words, but it's like a, a, a real life scenario. Some yeah. some words like that where it's like this yeah. is an active uh, investigation. You're no longer part of the program. Mm-hmm. Kind of reminds me of shit like the Bermuda Triangle where you run a training exercise and all of a sudden the shit becomes real. You got to go looking for some real shit. Yeah, and more a more actual realistic example is. Um, pilots. Oh, I'm sorry, my example wasn't good enough. Oh Jesus, no! But like pilots in Alaska. <laughs> All the, all the time have to go intercept Russian fighters and bombers because they right. actively test things. So gotcha. it's, this might be that, it might not be that, but overall we picked up multiple targets on our radars 
And, and specifically, the USS Princeton was tracking these things for days. Mm-hmm. Like these things keep just showing up on our radar yeah. and they go from 85,000 feet to zero feet to one mile an hour to 13,000 miles an hour. And then they're in the water and then there's multiple, then there's one and we keep seeing them. So you guys are on a training flight, no weapons, no guns, no nothing, no ammo, no nothing, completely mm-hmm. nothing on the rails or in the gun. Yeah. And, um, and they go, they go see it, and then they fly to the area that that was sighted. And what they saw, David Fravor in his, his like, I don't know if you call her, uh, just, I have no idea what you call the second airplane on the scouting mission. They fly over, and they see... Wingman? Pretty much, yeah. Probably a wingman. They said it was a wing woman. Wing person. Wing person. And then they see a uh, the size of a 737 in the water white watering so like you know when you have like bubbles coming up or whatever is there's something clearly in there yeah and this is the tic tac and then david fravor decides he's going to get closer to it so he takes his f-18 hornet as seen here and goes dives down and in flies close to it as he does that the tic tac flies up and out and mimics it. so if he's going up it's going down if he's going towards each other it's going it's doing this whole thing Mm-hmm. And this is what happens. And they're getting nervous or whatever it is. They see it and then they do if they fly around it in a circle and then they leave. Yeah. And that was the first sighting, the first report. And, and then, when they were doing that, they were observing this this tic tac shaped object that could move that. Which we, I'm not going to blow by that. It could move 13,000 miles an hour in zero. This shit is insane. Like a ping pong ball. Too. This, is, like why it's like the, this is why it's noticeable because these trained naval pilots are do not understand what this thing is and they're mm-hmm. obviously all obliged to report this but it's moving like in no other way that they had seen anything Nothing. before yeah and, 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 Multiple in a way that if there was a living being in that it would die immediately from the g- change of g-force yeah 13 hours an hour to, to zero to back or whatever is would yeah. just obliterate your internal organs so um that's why it's so important so you have these guys who are out there and these are not alien people they're not the green alien people that we all know and love they don't they don't give a fuck they just want to report what they saw and end a story mm-hmm. and they don't and a lot of them don't want to be on tv but they said hey i was in a government aircraft doing a government mission and it's i just feel it's my duty to describe the public like something else is out there we don't yeah, know his wing person lieutenant alex Deerdick, uh she was not ever put on camera until this so 60 I'm minutes i'm not sure her name was alex Deerdick. that's not her name no that's the other guy well she's a woman named she- alex are you sure Is that she's helping? Deer Dick? I wrote it down during watching the interview. Oh, no shit. Okay, I thought her name was so uh, different. But, but yeah, so she familiar. she particularly convinced me a bit to, to the credibility because of the fact that she was not only not willing to talk about it publicly until now, she was visibly uncomfortable during the interview. Oh, I mean, yeah. she might have been putting that on, but I don't really think so she tinny. was. And, and you can tell she was kind of like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of... I'm, I feel like I need to talk about this, but I don't feel comfortable with it. And I'm not even sure what I saw kind of deal, which yeah. I always like hearing that with this wild ass shit because people get way too enthusiastic about it and, it. and it makes me happy for them that they're enthusiastic, but also makes me not believe the fucking word they're saying because they're mm. too into it. And this woman seemed like a professional, but she did not seem too into it. She kind of seemed like they dragged her along to, you know, show and tell day and she had was obliged to say the things she had to say, which that got me in my head. I was like, oh, this, this woman is not... Uh, not only not a little green man person, she doesn't even really want to talk about this. Yeah. But her commander Fravor retired now. Yeah. But was like, come on, I really need you to be my wing person yeah, once again on this. this. And it sounds like she did. Saw it together. Yeah. So I, that really stuck out in my mind, uh, adding yeah. to the credibility of the whole thing. Yeah. Because uh, I'm not completely sold on just the fact that obviously people are 
professional military members. They're trained observers, like you said, and they have significantly better instrumentation than anyone that you know with a camera out on outside of the Nevada desert. I mean, these are, we have infrared cameras, we have uh, radar tracking. It's, it's a full naval carrier group observing this. This is about yeah. as good as you're going to get for seeing something in the wild, mm -hmm. um, which, which I, I love that shit. But at the same time, they're all coming on TV talking about spaceships. I gotta, I gotta, you know, I gotta drill into it a little bit here. Yeah. And one particular person gets a little too big about it. It's not their fault in particular, but they're all going after a long legacy of UFO runners. So I started to see people like David Fravor getting a little big for his britches on the TV show. I started to think, eh, a lot of, a lot of interviews there, Davy boy. And it's not that he's yeah, I mean, not credible. I'm just saying that even at the most credible standard, which would be that. I can't ask for a better observer than UFOs than a person like that. I still have to put that little salt, the little grain of salt there. You can't just take everyone's word for it just because they're that. Because they're not lying. They don't have to be lying to be wrong about this. This guy's a trained professional. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's not saying it's a, you know, it's the literally the grays coming down. But he's saying, well, I saw something I can't explain. And I think it's a, a technology that we are incapable of reproducing. Yeah, what it is now. So one thing you said I think is really important before we move on yeah. is that these sightings were trying like almost validated by multiple sources. Mm -hmm. So you have four set how many sets of eyes? Four people. Mm -hmm. That's four sets, right? Four sets of eyes. You have the newest and most sophisticated like land-based radar coming from the USS Princeton, which had different radar than the other carrier group ships. It's like, that's what it's fucking thing did. Yeah. Super good. So you got four sets of eyes, you've got the newest and most high-tech radar, and then you have the forward-looking infrared radar, which is called FLIR. Mm -hmm. they call it, you know, that's what that stands for. It's an acronym. So you have, it's showing up on thermal, on radar, and on eyes that something is actually there. Yeah. Something is there. It's not the product of one person's brain. Yeah. How to qualify a sighting. It's that this is about as good as you're gonna get for having it doesn't multiple sources and not just multiple witnesses. I don't care if I see twenty people, I'd rather have four four people, a radar, and a forward looking infrared camera. That's worth more to me than than hundred people. Literally, exactly. Who think they see something. Yeah, like in Mexico City there's a lot of UFO sightings, but it's there's sure. a thousand people and that's less credible than this. You have yeah. a, I find this a lot more concrete. Different combinations of technology yeah. plus people who are not just like some guy in the street. It's like you have the most 110% trained observer in the sky, yeah. which is a fighter pilot. No one's better. Sure. And they know they can tell you like they're they're like they're like oh that's an SC57 or that's a P51 or that's a 737 or a 757. And right. for someone who can distinguish like so many different realms of things, mm -hmm. they know what they're looking at. Yeah. Or that's a weather balloon, or that's a fucking piece of trash, or you know that's a right. bomb in the air, or a cruise missile, or a drone, or you know, these right. are the people who know 
everything and they'll tell you what it is like what model what country it's from essentially right and if i'm not mistaken on the uh on the camera for this particular thing the tic tac did for it was supposedly uh, like very cold like as cold as the ocean which you'd expect it to be a lot warmer from running mm -hmm. an internal combustion engine or having some kind question. of propellant yeah um which is on the rate uh, on the uh, camera rather it looked colder than it should have been for any other aircraft. Is that yeah, actually? yeah. So if you see any sort of flying craft to date, um, minus a glider, um, you'll get, but not minus a glider because you'll get some sort of lift, which would be like wings. Mm -hmm. You'll get uh, some sort of thrust, which will be an exhaust plume because you have to have internal combustion, like I said, on a turbine engine. Um, or a piston engine that produces a lot of fucking heat. It turns it's a lot of heat. White. Yeah, you should go to see that from far away. on that FLIR FLIR mm. for looking for a radar. It has a jet behind it. It just clearly, it's mm. so obvious how hot this thing is. Yeah. Um, so you have means of combustion, means of lift, and well, I don't know what else. But that's it. But yeah, it's 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 pretty much nothing. Right yeah. So. So that's that. So this is all we're we're seeing this now because sixty minutes just to, just talked to these people said exactly what we just said that they basically said mm -hmm. they don't know what they see. There's one more pilot on there on his name, but he he, he said, seemed less convinced than anybody that the pilot they interviewed as well too. Not less convinced, but he was tr truly convinced of what he saw. But he seemed to think that it was probably a, um, yes the project of a, of a foreign power. That yeah, they asked him, "Are you concerned he, about this?" Sure. Yeah, and yeah. he said basically like. He's like, I can't tell you what it is, but it could be some sort of forward, um, you know, threat observation vehicle. Yeah. Um, of technology. He saw, he saw technology it for days that, on end. He saw it every day. It wasn't just, he, he saw it one time. Day. Yeah. He, and this he is the guy seeing. from like 2010, 12 or something. Like yeah, that. this is more. And yeah, he's so the East Coast Virginia Beach guy. Mm -hmm. So same thing, Navy pilot. And he said that the, we saw these every day. Yeah. Every day we went crazy. out there, we saw something else. And then they got pumped when they could lock on the radar because you yeah. can. And if you saw a MIG every day off the coast of Virginia Beach, it would the be a, massive a national security problem. Yeah, but they're seeing issue. these objects every day, and, and it's, you know... Yeah. Obviously, they're concerned, but it's not not a national security. They didn't keep it on the rug or whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So they saw these things every single day, mm -hmm. um, and he was... He, was, he wasn't he was convinced they're UFOs. He convinced that... I'm seeing something. And yeah. this could be China, could be Russia. We don't know. Um, could be Pakistan. <laughs> Back then, yeah, to my Pakistani brothers, um, um, and that was that was his thing. So the sixty minutes basically said this. Then they brought in a couple more people. Yeah. So they brought in um, first person Lou Elizondo, mm. and again, we're just giving you a quick overview of this sixty minute situation. Lou Elizondo was the director of ATIP, which is Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program, mm -hmm. which is similar to Project Blue Book, which we've talked about before, but it's the more modern day one. It got scrapped in 2012, but ATIP was at the Pentagon, and Lou Elizondo had 20 years of experience basically identifying threats in Afghanistan, the Middle East, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and they made him the director of this, and it was a $20 million, yeah. $22 million program. Yeah, a couple bucks thrown around. $22 million to create ATIP by Senator Harry Reid of what? Nevada or something? Nevada. Yeah, Harry Reid. Um, so I remember that. And he, the biggest economy based on alien sightings. Nevada. Harry Reid. Followed closely by New Mexico, I think. And very simply, the one objective of ATIP was to collect and record sightings from military members of, this, mm -hmm. of um, what they see. So Lou Elizondo, which is, and he's the person who brought the, 
um, David Fravor Tic Tac and the other guy and the other side, those three ones that were disclosed or made unclassified that CNN aired. Um, he's the one who brought those out and said he found them because his job was just like, you know, um, the Project Blue people to find these, investigate them and report them, period. That's yeah. it. Not try to figure out what they are, but just report them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was his thing. So he's brought on this, he's brought in 60 Minutes he gave his thing, his background, who he is, how he's credible, and um, well, if I'm not mistaken, he got some of this shit declassified before the bill was passed. Absolutely, because he's, so yeah. that that that's his contribution in my mind that he got some of these these stories we just talked about unclassified, declassified before this this most current bill was passed. Which is why we know about a lot of this now is because people like uh, Lou Elizondo got it out in the open and had to be pushing this for you know months and months and years for it to actually be declassified because before that it wasn't. Now we're a little bit more opened up about it because it's about to be public knowledge for everybody. Mm-hmm. But he isn't just latching onto the train now. He not only was pushing this beforehand, but he left the US government in order to do so, if I'm not mistaken. He no longer works for the United States government in any capacity. He left in 2015. Okay. He's independent and he joined up with... Uh with our friend, uh, what was it? Um, was it uh, Bono? Cassius Clay. Bono. Was it oh, Bono? Tom DeLong. Oh, sorry, Tom DeLong. Yeah. A Flink 182 <laughs> fan. <laughs> but yeah, he spent his money. What's his name something. again? <laughs> yeah. Michael Jackson. What's his age again? Cher? Yeah, yeah. No. Tommy DeLong. Yeah. It was Tom DeLong. Are you? And I'm so sorry. I cannot sleep. I cannot dream the night. Will Zondo got into him with To the Stars Academy, mm. blah, blah, but I'm not sure. No, 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 let's not sleep on the rush. It's, it's kind of ridiculous, the whole thing, right? The guy from Blink-Y2 took all his money, quit the band, and started Little After Aliens and hired a government worker who yeah. retired in order to pursue this with the guy from the band Blink-182. I didn't make it so. And even though half of me is like, this is absolutely absurd, this guy's credibility is down the shitter now. I don't care how high his collars popped and how low his V-neck is on live TV. He's teamed up with the fucking guy from Blink-182 who's been basically ostracized by even the band members and the fans because he's gone off the deep end. He's crazy and, and thinks he sees UFOs. On the other hand, this guy, Lou Elizondo, was responsible for pushing forward the declassification of these documents and videos so that we even know about them. So he's got like his one foot in the reputable super expert pool and one foot in the pool with the guy who's basically seems like a cuckoo banana man, but he, I guess he isn't. I don't. That's think interesting he is. to me. I don't think he is. Like it's it's hard to. I have. think you would think he was more if you didn't okay. like what he was going Hang for. On. So if he, he was trying to no. find the spaghetti monster, you'd think he's a fucking insane person. Yeah, but no one has been trying to find spaghetti monster. It's been Speak this, for yourself. It's I will this. find it. The ravioli is my savior. Ravioli, ravioli. <laughs> Give me the formula. Thank you. So, um, <laughs> sorry. So he 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 bound himself to the same narrative that I've been seeking out since the, my crazy assistant teacher in high school gave me fingerprints of the gods filled mm-hmm. with notes, and I thought he was a mental case. Yeah. But I don't know. Something's there. So Tom DeLong does not, and 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 Tom DeLong, if you're listening to this, it just it sometimes when. You talk, it, it can be, it doesn't sound like you're super educated on the subjects, but I believe in your mission. Don't waste your time on me, you're already the voice inside my 
I really, really do. I, I like his heart. I, I do like where, I like where he's, he's yeah, going. Yeah, no, and that's it. But I'm like, I'm down. I'm down with it, and I think he's on the right track. And and like, I know. But, and the thing is, if you had, the, if I had the money, and I wanted some more meaning, and I had something, the history that we do not know yet, or the history that's yet to be discovered, he's yeah. doing. He's just doing the same fucking thing H. Neal is doing, and, I, and that's that's what keeps me up at night. I appreciate it. So I'm anyways, sure he's seen the program so before. Lou is on. He, yeah, hopefully he has. We have to, we've had some good views the past uh, couple of weeks, so you know he, maybe he's one of them. So, <laughs> yeah. so those, those two are working together he, at this he point. Both. So Lou Elizondo, and I wish I had a second to figure out this guy's name. Mm-hmm. Um, the the you know deputy assistant for the Secretary of Defense um, needed as they went to the media and they did any they they went and reached out to anybody who would listen. Yeah. I just tried to look at the screen. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> we're already on the right path. We just took a second break because I can't stop looking at the screen because we're used to a year and a half of Zoom. And I'm like, yeah, Joe's talking next to me. All we do I'm is staring talk at the screen watching him talk to me. That's what we've been doing. So, so we're used to. We're getting more used to the live. It's, it's, it's hard. It's been a rough, it's it's a, been a rough year it's of a Zooms. Difference. Yeah, it really so, has been. Making sure you're, you're fucking, you don't snot come out your nose. Uh, so, oh, yeah, I know. Breather for getting out of the end of this one. So, yeah. so that's the story. So Lou Elizondo and the deputy assistant for the Secretary of Defense <laughs> did everything they possibly could to get their story out there. To yeah. Anybody who'd listen. And, they, and, they and were, Tom DeLong listened. Yeah. And he, <laughs> that's the story. And because he, he loves the narrative. He loves yeah. that story. He wants right. to be a part of that. Yeah. I, I can respect that too. Even though um, I said, I, I do think that he, like, he, actually, like you said as well, he's not an expert on the subject. He's only a recent adopter of ufology and all these kind of things. And I'm sure he's been a fan of it for years, but he hasn't got in the deepness like people like Alessandro got, who was you know, hired by the government to look into this shit. Top secret stuff is a different story. Mm-hmm. So he's, I think Tom Dong is an expert on the, uh, the most, <laughs> on the, as much as a civilian can do, okay. he knows. Yeah. Because yeah. he's met some of these people too, according to sure. his show, Unidentified. Yeah. So that's his show. Um, mm-hmm. Everything he possibly can as a civilian, respect, I get it. I, I wish I could do the same. Yeah. But Lou Elizondo. I think anyone who makes a bunch of money should go after whatever they want. If you have top secret clearance, it's a different story. Yeah. But he had the money and the means and the post trial ability to get the story out there more than anybody mm-hmm. who was at the time. On their own, subject. they couldn't accomplish it, but together, they're mm-hmm. one, uh, you know, yin and yang. Again, media um, and then the Senate and then the Also, go you got to stop slapping the table, too. Because the mic. Because the mic. Okay. I talk with my hands. So oh, I don't worry. Media, Secretary of Defense. Sorry, Media, Senate, DOD. That's the that's the path to school. This is the pathway. Right? Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. So we're combined. We're now we're all mixing them all, mm-hmm. and that's where we're at. Yeah. So it all came together. Gotcha. So I think that covers sixty minutes, right? I think so. Yeah. Okay. I, I, that was well said. That was. That was at least 10 minutes longer than actually watching it yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we're so, giving you the real juice, the real the, shit in yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not just the, uh, so what is this called? The UAP? Like, okay, we get it. Yeah, we, get we get it. it. We get it. So, um, but yeah, I think that's a pretty good uh, description because now we can look into the other aspects of it because basically what this is doing is leading up to this information dump coming up June 6th, was it? Or sometime Somewhere around there. Yeah. yeah, it's very soon. So this is like kind of a preamble for that, which some people think is on the up and up. Some people think is kind of a more media-heavy facing thing. We'll get into it. And we'll tell you what, because I, I personally have a conclusion for the end of this podcast right. on what my prediction is for that media dump. Right. We will definitely 
Yeah, we got to hear that. Well, it's just it's 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 pages of disclosure on what the U.S. military knows, right. and we'll get there because yeah. this is all coming to come in full circle. All right. So here's the bread and butter of this episode: is that this is what nobody's saying yet, but after years and years and years of drinking my coffee, making my breakfast, and watching Ancient Aliens, and shit, and unidentified in training for this podcast. Training for this podcast. Here's my fucking moment to shine. <laughs> So on, my crazy on top of having books that I have, on top of whatever it is, this 60 Minutes is one-sided as dick. Mm-hmm. And here's why. Tell me why. Well, it's a little bit long of a road to explain this, but um, the easiest way to accept aliens or anything like this is to make them a threat. Everyone to thinks. accept them? Yes. Okay. The ideology of aliens is to accept them as a threat first. Mm-hmm. We've done this with other countries in the Middle East mm-hmm. and everything else. They're a threat first, and then we can. You go, oh, they're here. We have to kill them. That sounds pretty much. It's yeah, easier to say that they're here to benefit us to change our society or whatever it is. Right. So they're a threat first. And but that's a little bit different than other different. countries. Because even though that works for a lot of other countries and new threats and things like that, obviously the first example is shoot first, ask questions later. Mm-hmm. The other tribe is not my tribe, therefore they are the enemy. It's an ancient human thing we got here. It's we should know aim. better now. But but alien life is a little bit different than that, though, because we've never experienced anything like it before. And what we're doing is... I'm slamming the table too now. Watch the fucking table. Oh, my bad. What we're doing is that we're, we're putting on human traits to aliens, right? Which I guess it makes sense to humans because people are going to think if aliens come to Earth, two things they're going to do. They're either going to kill us all or they're going to help us. Why is there only two things they're going to do? That, that doesn't make any sense to me. That, but there's only two things they're going to do. If mm. an octopus shows up at your front doorstep, there's only two things they're going to do. Kill you or help you. Or it just sits there. Or why is there even octopus here? Yeah. Like, there's a lot of other options that could be going on here. It, it's not yeah. the same as, like I said, Independence Day or Mars Attacks. It doesn't have to be one or the other. Those are movies. They're science fiction about aliens. Interesting. You know, what have you. But I think that's, that it's weird that we have to ascribe those traits to aliens when they come down. But I can see how you're saying the government's going to think, first off, they're going to be a threat. And people understand when they're the other, yeah. they can see it as a threat. It's an easy way for us all to come together and say, not like us, we should kill them before they kill us kind of deal. Exactly. Um, you know, there's an episode of Black Mirror, Mirror where they... Um, reprogram the brains of soldiers to see the threat that, yes, they, that yes. they choose as like cockroaches but it turns out that they something goes wrong in the guy's brain he sees that they're just humans they're really people but they want yeah. to make them extinct so yeah. so again it's easier to fight a battle when you have a clear enemy it's yes. easier to accept that this is a black and white situation yeah when it's probably not where not to disclose this but the situation at hand is probably more like the movie arrival mm-hmm. um where it's a means of communication. Or and even if it's a threatening and it's a fearful enemy, it's actually better for people to know that it's a direct threat to their life and it's uh, it should be afraid of it than to be confused. Because people are more discombobulated and anxious and uneasy if they don't understand something. They'd rather just... Your mind is built to say it's bad, it's good, it's this, it's that. If we can say they want to kill us and they're evil... That's actually better for people's psyche than to not know what it is at all. Would you think it'd be like awfully big? Oh no, it's just, you know, don't think it's scary. Our brains want to put things in categories. And if we can put it in the category as this is a direct threat to human life, it's actually better for our psyches, especially when it's worth trying to convince 
30, uh, 330 million people and then the world afterwards of what it is, it might be better to say, uh, just say it's evil. It's, it's easier for all of us to get along in the same way with this thing. Yeah, exactly. And, and before we move on, just I have one more final point on this subject is that like, any global threat unifies the world. So COVID, mm-hmm. wars fucking almost stopped. Mm-hmm. Israel and Palestine didn't go to... They kind of went on break for a fucking couple months. Azerbaijan kind of snuck into Armenia and it really took a good... Yeah, but there were some tricky things. But overall, overall, the global threat was one thing, not a yeah. bunch of micro-threats that were... Yeah, I think it did, it did unify the world in a way, but then it also split apart nations at the same exactly. time. Yeah, exactly. But, but over, overall... If there was one threat to the world, we would all unify. It's a, it's a fact. So there's, well, I don't know if it's a fact because so this is the best example of it I've ever seen. I, I really would hope that too. I always thought, what if the aliens come down and we can start fighting wars with well, each other? Smaller, but smaller COVID things. came down and people are still in the fucking Walmart punching each other in the fucking face about masks. Well, it kind of made me kind of depressed. I was like, I thought we could all unify. We had this outside threat. It's not even a person. Well, you know, and we can still fight over that. It kind of made me depressed, actually. I thought yeah, it was pretty bad. But that's it's a smaller example of it's either you are a Republican or a Democrat. And that's kind of what it came down to. But we're not going to get there. So well, I, I wonder if aliens came down. It wouldn't be just a similar split. Oh, shit. We didn't think of Kill that. them all or befriend them. Uh, you well, want to think of like movies. movies. If they right. come down, yeah. then we'd all unify against yeah. them or with them. But... This is a good example of here's I mean, an alien this threat. Happen for this reason because we all cannot. We agree. can't agree on anything. Agree. So, sorry, I, was just, I thought it'd be worth mentioning. It's really worth mentioning. So, so next up, um, so what we have going on here is we have three different narratives or things or I'd say they're narratives. Or sure, they're, yeah, three different narratives that we're talking about today. We talked about. The we haven't even one. mentioned them. So the sixty minutes one is focused on ATIP. We're just going to call it ATIP. That's number one. Sure, yeah. This is more of the military group and governmental group built in. Think, excuse me, those Navy officers. Think Lou Elizondo. Think ATIP, the group. Yep. And now we're talking about another person in particular who's not closely associated with them. So, so exactly. So, so to add to ATIP, um, their common ground or their their mission is to identify this as anything that we don't understand or know in our airspace is a threat. So that's okay. them. They think this is a threat. And they have to catalog, identify the situation. So because it's a threat. Yep. Things in our airspace are supposed to be in airspace are a threat. The next round, again, these all tie together. And this is, this is the part that you guys need to listen to. Because nobody is saying this yet is that there are three things. The second one is bottles of water. Joe, give us, what do you know of bottles are? What's up, ufologists out there? We're talking bottles are. talking about your savior. It's like hearing uh, when they say um, Jimmy Buffett at the beginning of the concert and all, everyone's like, Cheeseburger in paradise. They got all excited for him. He's their savior. I'll tell you what I think about Bob Lazar, what I know about Bob Lazar, Dylan. What I know about Bob Lazar is that he is basically one of the most credible voices on this kind of shit because in his words, he is a graduate of MIT, Pacifica University. He is basically a tech expert. This guy knows how to work on engineering projects, electrical projects. He actually built his own rocket-powered car at one point did, yeah. uh, as a younger man. It was and, a jet-powered car, actually. Oh, it? sorry. Uh, yeah, jet. Yeah, it's like a jet go-kart. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Right. So, and then he was uh, recruited by um, 
the the United States government to work at the the facility. Uh, please help me remember. And so it's Air Fifty One and specifically S S Four, right? Yeah, S Four. So he's so. It, long story short, in my mind, he's this genius kid who's great at designing and understanding vehicles. The the government tries to figure out what's going on Area Fifty One and when it comes to crashed alien tech or crashed UFOs, and they bring in Bob Lazar to help them figure out how does this vehicle work? Because we have no idea how any other vehicle works like this. This isn't a V2 rocket. This isn't a jet fighter. We don't know what the hell this thing is. And we need to bring Lazar in here to try to help us think outside the box and maybe how this thing is used propulsion wise. Works there for a bit. He ends up getting pushed out of the industry. We might get into a little bit. And when he gets pushed out, he decides he wants to go public with this information because it's very valuable information that he should know. And he's also concerned that people, namely the United States government in some capacity, will go after him and harm him or perhaps kill him to keep him silent. So he figures the more people I can tell about this, it kind of guarantees my safety because it's kind of like having witnesses walking into a nightclub and being like, everyone looking at me? If I go missing tonight, this guy fucking killed me kind of deal. Like the more people I can get to know, that's what it is. So that's basically what I know about him. And he is still um, talking about this point to this day, even though to his knowledge and his words, he has nothing to gain by talking about it. And he's more of an introverted, introverted kind of person, tech genius, engineering genius, but also more reputable than any other ufologist I usually hear from because when you talk to him, he sounds like he has a brain between his heads and no mental illness at all. So he could already got to step <laughs> up on everyone else yeah. right there. And so to add to what Joe's saying is that he was exposed by George Knapp, who's what, a talk show host? What's he? Yeah, no, so George Knapp is a journalist out Jones. of Las Vegas. Yeah. And he finds out about this guy and decides to have him on his public access show to talk about this. This is in the early 90s when uh, Lazar decides to actually come out about this information after he's left the uh, U.S. government mm-hmm. in Area 51. And uh, Knapp has him on and he, he decides to come on with a black face, you know, like the gangland thing. He's like, exactly. I'm gonna my feet. But he goes on the show later after the public response. They're so thrilled with him. He decides to come on as Bob Lazar later on, which is basically his introduction to the uh, popular culture before many other people start to pick him up and he starts to tell more and more tales about what he saw in Area 51 and what he was uh, given to work on there. That's what I know about him before I start making him into fucking Swiss cheese. Yeah, yeah, so pretty much um, Bob Lazar, uh, his job was exactly what you said. He Mm -hmm. took, uh, you know, he let the world know about the giant flights out of McCarran Mm -hmm. into Area 51, which are red, like... uh, before we go on, S4 is a, a separate section area 51 that's supposed to be working on this specifically the, um, uh, I can't think of the word, when you're, you're uh, re-engine, no, what do you call it? Reverse engineering. engineering. Sorry, reverse engineering yep. uh, these spacecraft. Or- exactly. So the Air 51 that you see on Google Maps is a very, 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 very long runway that a space shuttle can land at. Gotcha. Bunch of hangars and whatever it is. Yeah. Um, for those of you who don't know or don't you know go crazy in this, Area 51 is underground. Everything that you... Yeah. read about or whatever I mean the whole world of satellite image you can't put secret things on the surface anymore that time's no. over unless you put them in the middle of the Amazon rainforest and they can't see them there you go last episode um, so the um, Air 51 was originally created in the 40s and 50s um, to to develop and and uh, create new technologies like the U-2 spy plane the F-71 Blackbird the F-117 all these really really 
amazing things because mm. it's kind of it's really in the middle of nowhere but it's still you know a couple hours from las vegas yeah um but you know a bombing ground test facility it's just a test facility that's it and there's multiple different ones in the u.s so if anything crazy is going on it might not be there anymore but sure anyway so bob lazar went to s4 which is you know miles i think like south east or west from the actual runway yeah and that's where shit's actually going down because it's pretty much like a hollowed out and before mountain. he talked about s4 it, it was not public knowledge whatsoever it was only after right. he talked about it that yeah. it's been confirmed that it existed. Yeah. Before he mentioned it, it had not been public at all that this was uh, exactly. existing at all. Yeah, really. this is a thing. So he, yeah. he mentioned some things that were credible, um, like you said, like S4. And he also redrew an uh, actual um, schematic of the UFOs that he would reverse engineer. So he basically okay. got these ones, which are this, the ones that he worked on were the same ones that crashed in Roswell in 1947. Gotcha. So they're like more of the flying saucer kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, it's a flying saucer. Yeah, and it has... I mean, we already yeah. talked about Roswell's the classic version of a UFO. It's got the it's fucking like saucer. It's super classic. The spacemen with the fucking yeah. eyes and the head yeah. and the whole thing. Yeah, And they use... The space they use material. A, they basically use a super, 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 super unstable element that they called 115 mm-hmm. um, that they were able to... Well, this is what Lazar claims after what he claims, yeah, to stabilize this that gives them amino propulsion, which is, which is anti-gravity. So um, basically it uses the force of gravity reversed to propel to give you infinite energy so that's why in the tiktok video and oh this is what he's hypothesizing he's hypothesizing this this is why they can just hang out for hours and hours on end right and then go to thirteen thousand miles an hour because nothing in the u.s military that we know of Mm. can do anything like that like an f-16 can fly at 1500 miles an hour for like Mm. six minutes yeah you know like they can't do this shit um, and so, yeah, and there's no heat heat signature or propulsion tech, uh, right. detection, so it'd have to be a force that we are not currently working with to understand that. Yeah, and a force that would repel against the force of gravity could perhaps do something like that. It makes sense if you're able to do that with an element that's unstable and can do mm-hmm. something like it. Kind but of that's a secondary step, right? We have to already agree, uh, uh, for Lazar's sake, that these ships are using gravity as their propulsion system yeah. and fight, fighting against it. Mm-hmm. The adding of a new uh, element in there that it's going to do this for you automatically is a secondary step for me. I wouldn't say those are one thing. It is, but they didn't know about this element. I think it's 115. Before Bob Lazar. Like it was like, this is something that, so the, the element 115 is one of, those, yeah. one of those crazy things that exists for a bajillionth of a millisecond. Because mm-hmm. it's a, it's a, it's, it's, it's a new, it's a new, it's a new set it's of It's a newly atoms. discovered element. Yeah, and just, but, but these new these new elements aren't like, oh, I dug a hole and found a new element. No, you it's can't like, find No, it. we had some crazy chemical reaction or explosion or something is, then something else showed up under a microscope yeah. for this well, they basically time, are, but it's something new, has new composition that we haven't seen yet. Yeah, well, they're basically pumping electrons, electrons into the thing yeah. until it catches it. It's like, you know, picture like anything else where we're building up a block. Every single element we know is just... Uh, a clump of neutrons and protons we can see the exact number of them and then we can base on that the number of electrons that are around it you can't see the electrons they're moving around okay. too fast it's yep. nearly impossible to see them you can only guess where they're going to be at any given time so when we have an element that has 113 of these 114 of these you only actually have to discover 115 if you can make one that has 115 or put it into being you have their you're therefore discovered an element. It's not like there's 120 and a half. Those are different things. So it's not like, oh, go, there's carbon and there's lithium. Ooh, there's lithocarbon in the middle. We didn't even see this one. There's only each number. 
-hmm. So when you have these, you know, new elements or thing, it's basically just pounding them with, you know, subatomic particles until you create an environment in which they can exist. And that's why they're so fleeting because for a, a very small period in a very controlled situation, you can have an element like 115 and that'll be new because then yeah. it can't exist anywhere else. Yeah. So it's like you said, it's not just like you could dig it up. You have to create it that way. Yeah. And it's not like it could exist outside and you missed it because we have the whole alphabet. There's no new letters unless you start making them kind of deal. Yep. We didn't forget the one between B and C. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great point. It's funny. So, but if you're able to stabilize that element, mm -hmm. you have to think about how much energy it has because the bond is so weak or so strong that it breaks up immediately. Yeah, it's super unstable it's because it's so hard to keep it together. Exactly. So they think that that's a big piece of this, or Bob Lazar does. Mm -hmm. So the whole point, the whole point of our um, our second narrative is Bob Lazar is that he has publicly disclosed that he's a super smart dude and he runs United Nuclear in Las Vegas. You can buy literally plutonium and um, uh, uranium right? uranium um, you can buy all these elements from him legally in a cool but these way. are these are not radioactive when he sells you they're radioactive yeah uranium is always radioactive but, but like, it's very it's minimal to the point it's not going to be harmful to yeah you. it's like higher in gamma than alpha or something like it's one of those things you like couldn't just send you, you know highly radioactive elements through the mail you'd be a terrorist if you did that yeah exactly but he can do it because they're not it's not like that mm -hmm. so um he uh, runs UnitedNuclear.com, and he sounds like he's a he's a cool dude. We like Bob Lazar. Um, Bob Lazar is well, a of the week. Bob Lazar is a scientist, and he said that at his time in the eighties, nineties, he worked S four in reverse engineering UFOs. Yeah. End of story. Next up is on our narrative is Doctor Stephen Greer. And he's the third part of this whole 60 Minutes discussion. And again, they didn't mention Bob Lazar, and they didn't mention Stephen Greer, and nobody to our knowledge has yet mm -hmm. on this particular topic of disclosure. Right. So, want me to give Stephen Greer a rip, or what do you got? Oh, yeah, you can you can give the rip on, on Stephen Greer. I, I don't know much about him. Okay. So, Dr. Oh. Stephen Greer has been active in the UFO community. Personally, I know since like the, the 70s or 80s. Mm -hmm. And I only saw like a couple of clips of him talking about it. I didn't really go deep into his, his history and things like that or his background. It's worth watching his documentaries. Uh -huh. They're really well made. Mm -hmm. They're excellent. So he's a documentary maker? Uh, I don't know if I'm a maker. Yeah, actually. Yeah, I'd say that. Stephen Greer. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So is it, I'm sorry, I'll, I'm interrupting so, you. No, no, it's good. No, it's, it's a good question. What questions to throw him out there? So like he's a... Um, he's a doctor of medicine mm -hmm. first. So he did, he's, he was a surgeon. He did surgeries, okay. um, yeah. that type of thing. And then somehow he just became more interested. I think to our reputable sources thing, I know that it's kind of, seems petty to say that someone who's a surgeon has better credence than someone who just lives on a farm somewhere. But if, if they do, right? They, they have okay. to go through so much yeah, more expertise. And also you got more skin in the game. If you say things that are declaratively untrue or make you seem insane, you have more to lose if you don't. Doesn't mean they're any more right or wrong than them, but when people put more on the line, I'm more apt to believe them because they're putting more skin in the game for what they're saying. Yeah. So if you have nothing to lose and, not, and everything to gain and you talk about UFOs, it's less likely to believe you than if you're throwing away a career in medicine in order to pursue something that you believe in. 
Yeah. Because you have more to lose. Way more to lose. And less to gain. There's a lot to lose. Exactly. Okay. And less to gain. Exactly. So right. you make it your life's purpose. So they, they could both be lying or both telling the truth, but I believe one more than the other just because of that dichotomy with incentive and motivation. It does mean something when it comes to this shit mm -hmm. because we ultimately don't know the exact truth of this. We have to kind of parse it out and figure out what we're saying here. Exactly. And there's so, a lot of bullshit in the UFO community. There certainly is. And it's it's not it's like any community. There's a lot of fucking nutsos and a lot of geniuses, and you have to try to find your way through it. Yeah. You know? Yep, exactly. So Stephen Greer, um, doctor of medicine, um, performed a lot of like sophisticated surgeries and whatever it is, and then got involved in UFOs in the essentially the spiritual realm of this. So mm -hmm. we talked this before, but C E five. So close encounters of the first, second, third, fourth, fifth kind. Right. Yeah. He's the fifth kind guy. Mm -hmm. So he's yeah, had yeah. His, his big, um, he's had multiple documentaries like Unacknowledged and Sirius or Cirrus, I forget. Um, and then he has a recent one coming out in a few days. He has one coming out in a few days that is talking about the situation we're talking about. He timed that pretty good just before the Just the, a few days. Exactly. So everyone get prepared for Stephen Greer's new documentary. Um, and the most recent one was CE5. So CE5 is specifically that you can channel UFOs based off of energy um, because they're intelligent craft and they're trans-dimensional. Mm -hmm. So they're able to... Trans it's like a big jump. It's a big jump, but they're able to go in and out of... That's how they travel so fast is actually they're trans-dimensional. So the real it's a big ones, jump. It's a big jump. Between dimensions. Exactly. <laughs> so that's that's his thing. And essentially, there's like a, he has an app on your phone to help you do it. And you, know, you might see some lights that you didn't think you'd see before. It's actually pretty cool. So... Um, his thing, so but actually, so so his thing is that he he hosts these CE five gatherings throughout the country, mm -hmm. um, where you can make contact with aliens, and you have to be super super prepared, super ready, super emotionally ready because it's an emotional experience, and if and they won't show up if you aren't have the right intentions. It's like a spiritual thing. It's it like sounds people very do spiritual. ayahuasca in Mexico. It's like a similar. It sounds like episode one. Jesus. Is an alien where they all go out on the hill and they all talk into the box and they believe in the alien. Hundred and ten percent, exactly the same thing. Gotcha. So, so um, that's that's his thing. But he's made contact. He's made like physical contact with aliens and whatever mm -hmm. it is. And this is his thing. But he, um, the whole point of this being our third, you know, narrative on this is that he's pushing this new documentary coming out in a few days that exposes the sixty minutes blindly to be staged by the government because okay. of what Bob Lazar did. Mm -hmm. So that's why this all ties together so well. Bob Lazar reverse engineered these crafts and, and we've been doing this since Roswell in claims 1947. Claims we did. Claims we did. Claims, claims, claims. Yeah, exactly. These are all claims. Right. Me and Joe don't know, but we're just, this is the thing. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's great. I mean, I'm going to take it as gospel for the conversation. Yeah. But, but I'm not going to write gonna off lie. that that absolutely happened. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. So like it's, to me, it sounds more like it did than it didn't, but overall, we don't we don't know. Sure. But, but um, he's saying that the government basically is given a certain deadline to expose the truth. Mm -hmm. and This is because of the recent uh, part of the bill that's been passed. This is completely contingent on this, you're saying. 100%. Gotcha. Yeah. And, um, and the government has known exactly what's going on since the 40s and or earlier. Mm -hmm. The world has shown up these settings in you know different scriptures throughout the past. We have other countries like Mexico City and Panama that have uh, at just as much, if not more, um, similar things to the Tic Tac by their military aircraft. Mm -hmm. 
in Mexico City is a big hotspot. Yeah. Um, it's not places, just the U.S. government that's been. No, Russia's it. got a buttload of shit. Um, every other country, pretty much every country has their own versions of yeah, this. Yeah, Russia has a similar program to uh, ATIP that, that actually is looking after these mm-hmm. crafts too in the 80s and 90s as well where they had um, hundreds of reportings of these things going on. Yeah. Obviously for the same reason or supposedly the same reason as the U.F. government saying if it is otherworldly we want to know, if it's Russian we want to know, if it's anyone else we want to know. So report mm-hmm. everything. So it makes sense that Russia would yeah. have their eyes on it too, but just to show that it's not just exclusively a United States thing. A lot of times we think about Roswell and Mexico and all that stuff, but it seems to be more of a global phenomenon when it comes down to the observation of it by professional entities that have the same technology and multiple eyes on yeah. the actual. And they're all similar. And even like U.S. troops in other countries report these things happening. They go in the woods to go right. ex- explore explosion or something, and then all of a sudden there's this craft that draws them in and has weird hieroglyphs all over or something like that. Like these sure. things happen. Mm-hmm. So, um, so Stephen Greer is basically saying that what the fighter pilots over the past 20 years have been seeing has actually been the U S government. Uh-huh. And that's his opinion on this is that these, he t- thinks the these phenomenon, these UAPs we've been talking about are the U S government. Yeah. That's what he thinks. And it's the fighter pilots are reporting on the own U.S. government, but they don't know it. Yeah. The fighter pilots don't know. Um, the, it's classified the, beyond their... The, well, exactly. And for those who don't know, the president doesn't know anything. The president doesn't know... Come on. We all know the president's a fucking genius. I don't care who gets elected. He's king of America. He's the smartest man they, in the world. They don't have access to so many things. Yeah. And this is one I'm of fucking them. around. They don't know. Yeah. I know. It's funny. But... They don't know. They don't know. They don't have access to this stuff. It's way past them. So, yeah. so the so anybody who's who's in the government that we see, because there there might be a darker version of the government that exists out there. We don't really know. But drain the swamp. Drain the swamp. But um, <laughs> uh, just kidding. We're not. We're we're good. But um, even the deputy assistant secretary of defense, he says that he's seen all the files. He says nothing exists. Well, these things just might not be recorded in the places that you can see, partner. And I can hear that, that. is a possibility. Yeah. yeah. Especially if, you know, there's so many different realms of, like, Nikola Tesla's files going missing. He had, like, you know, 80, 80 bins, and they only, his family only got 60. They took 20. Yeah. That's a fact. Mm-hmm. Um, then, you know, things that happened at Roswell, uh, it was wildly investigated, and then it was told it was a weather balloon, and then some guy took a picture with a bunch of tinfoil. Mm-hmm. You know, like, there's things that they don't know. And if things were re- reverse-engineered... Yeah. Um, why would why would the Secretary of Defense know that? If it's too well, you would deep. you would assume or you would hope that there isn't a, another level of the government that that has supreme authority on things that are known and unknown in the government. I can see I can totally get behind the fact that because of how fucked up things are, that the president is kept in the dark in these things. But it, it's definitely not supposed to be the way things are, right? You're not supposed to have a, another organization that's investigating things for the betterment of the United States of America. Mm-hmm. who refuses to let the president know about it because they think they have a better authority on it or they know what's right more than that. Because as much as the president is supposed to be a servant of the country, they're supposed to be the ultimate authority on what the fuck's going on. They should know everything you need to know to run the country. Mm. And the fact that there's an organization who decides when or when not the executive branch gets to know about it is kind of fucked up. Yeah. Because that means they can just decide what they want to do in perpetuity. 
which I don't think that's not possible. I think that's very possible, but it's fucked up notion that to get on board, be like, well, that's clearly happening. You know, it sucks. I obviously it's happened in the past with things like CIA operations that are known to the president at the time, but aren't known to presidents that are precede them until years later, things like that. Like, I don't know if, you know, Gerald Ford knew a lot about what happened during the Bay of Pigs invasion, but Barack Obama knows about it because a lot of that's been declassified now years later. Mm -hmm. But it's kind of fucked up that you would hide that from the president. They would probably say it's a matter of national security, but you know, exactly the commander-in-chief doesn't yeah. know about it. Is it really a matter of national security or it's a matter of security for your branch of government and yeah, security for your secrets? We're not going to distract you because you have to run the country and this is something that is not important. It's important we have it. Seems like it would be very We have it taken and put it down here. All right, so we covered ATIP, we covered Bob Lazar, mm-hmm. and we covered Dr. Stephen Greer and CE5, mm-hmm. all the way here, one s 4 all those other things. And this is, this is again, we want to just reiterate this is what we're saying that no one's saying, mm-hmm. is that these narratives contradict also, where the fuck are you going? Nowhere. Um, oh, I don't know where you're going. They contradict as well as also add value to each of each other's things, but 60 Minutes is making this a threat because it's the public's... It's the easiest way to disclose a subject that could obliterate, absolutely obliterate people's values. Yeah, but don't get believe, me wrong. If, they if, if all this shit is made public and verified and even more knowledge than we have now, I mean, we all agree. One of the most important contributions to science and existence of human history would be to understand there is not only things we don't understand coming from outer space, outer space technology, but is there is life forms on other planets that are interacting with the Earth. I mean, if that was made to be true, it would be. Then I mean, it would be on par with anything else. The, the DNA sequencing, uh, how to grow agriculture on planet Earth. That would be right up there with all of those. Like yeah. these are the most important things we can mm-hmm. understand. You know. Like, yeah. And for some people, it just, and actually not some people, for most of the world, mm. um, this changes the narrative on religion that me and you know. Right. But most don't because they're so well, most of them are, deeply ingrained. Yeah, they're, in um, they're, they're Earth-centric and, you know, this yeah. is what it is. We're the only Could thing that matters. That. So yeah. if there's other versions of Earth, it would throw a wrench in a lot of that um, yeah. as far as people are concerned. Uh, spiritually a lot of time exactly because most of those I wouldn't say most but actually maybe most oh, I, I think most you tell me but like for the books most of them I don't know if most people can grapple with that but on the record for most religions it, they're based on the worldview that usually thousands of years old even the newer ones are based on what we know which is the world we live in now so well, a lot of it's written down as this is the only thing that matters for the most special or the most important God made this we're the ones that's it yeah and sadly um what I'm getting at is that uh, pretty much every religion says that like if you don't believe these things or you do something different, you're going to their version of hell. Sure. And this just expands that tenfold, if not infinity fold. Like, well, what do you think of these possibly thousands, if not millions yeah. of other societies? I don't they've found Christ yet. Right. Exactly, because I mean, there's, there's even billions of people on Earth that, that haven't found Christ yet. So right. imagine all the poor right. aliens that had no idea we well, even like, exist. You're raised Catholic, like if you're something else, it was like, well, well, they, you know, 
you know, they're might not go less than they'll you. get salvation eventually. You know, like, we hope so. Yeah, we hope so. But it's all they really um, explain that shit away though. You go, what about all the kids in India who never even heard of Christianity? Well, you know, God forgives you if you don't learn about it. But if you learn like, about well, it and then you do, then you go against it, you go to hell. Where I'm like, well, then never teach them then. Then they'll never go to hell. Yeah. But they don't have to decide. So it's crazy town. So what we're saying yeah, is this is insane yeah, shit. Right so overall, that like, there's too much diversity as far as that goes in this country. That is, to again, for the podcast, there's too much diversity. We stand by that statement. You can clip this out. <laughs> there's too much diversity. No, as far as religion goes, to be able to just say, the, the government says, aliens are real. This shit's been here since way before us. Mm-hmm. Um, get with the program. It's a tough sell. Get lost. Um, you're gonna have widespread panic, like when War of the Worlds aired in 1950 or 51 or whatever right, it was, yeah. or the 40s. You know, people freak the fuck out, and it changes their values and, and destabilizes that country, which is which is destabilizing is a big. Which thing. is always the anti what whatever is going on. Who is that power? Usually, the the goal is to keep it the same. Let's keep it baseline, the same as far as we can. Anything that spikes upwards or downwards is a no-go. So even if you do understand that they are life forms from beyond the planet that are crash landing on planet Earth, it's in your best interest as authority figures to keep that from the public because it's going to spike the status quo one way or the other. You want it to maintain the same pace. If you're the king, you don't want anyone else to be the king. And if people start talking shit about the king, now you got a lot of shit that can go wrong for you. Bingo, bango, baringo. You don't want your citizens of your country to question what you do, Mm -hmm. which is why communism works, Mm -hmm. um, because they don't let you question it. And if you and capitalism works because if you question it, you're gonna your life's gonna suck. So just keep going. And why do I pay taxes? I mean, we have Wi-Fi and Netflix. What are you worried about? Shut up. Shut the fuck up. I don't care if you have cancer. Shut up. Just watch TV. Yeah, we're sort of on this. We're going a little crazy town, but like, <laughs> but but like, what the communists? We're talking about aliens, man. I know, what the communists wanted back in the day was to again, I said it before, but destabilize America by mm-hmm. tip, tearing apart. It starts with the tearing apart the nuclear family, and then nobody has anything to fight for, so they don't fight. And then you can just walk on their land, and the Russians take us over. Sure. So the government still thinks that way, weirdly, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, it's and, and this is a threat to um, uh, the world we know it and the changing world that they don't want to see because they're all a bunch of 60-year-old white men. Mm. And they uh, don't uh, they don't like change. Yeah, and also, uh, the closer you get to the grave, the less you want things to change up. I mean, no one wants their retirement to be ruined by a bunch of new ideas. You're coasting into the afterlife, as you understand it, so why the fuck would you want things to go all upended? I mean, I mean, people, those poor people during, you know, the early 1800s and the French Revolution, all those rich old people who were just a couple more months, they would have been dead and all these people start flipping shit over. People are getting hung, a guillotine. It's a big mess. You want it to just to stay the same. The older you get, the more you want things to stay the same. And the younger you are, the more you want things to change because you realize how fucked up the world is usually. Yeah. For the most part. That. And then you look back on your life, your 70 years or whatever, and you realize that, um... You didn't have to work as hard, or you didn't have to your four hundred one k or whatever it is is a fucking mess now because you thought you believed in something someone told you when you were twenty. Yeah, huge mistake. Don't ever do that. And um, <laughs> believing things people tell you, believing people things that like work or the government tells you when you're young, just do your own thing. But that's yeah. that's our whole point is that right. make, easiest way make it a threat, whatever the fuck. That's a tip. Aerospace 
objects. So I'll be back into it now. I want to I question each of these three things so we can I'm start ready. to get on here. Yep. So, so the concept as far as, as you understand it before you have make your prediction is that a tip or, you know, for our purposes for the podcast, the 60 minute special is the government's way of getting ahead of this thing. They know they're going to have to release a certain amount of information that they're going to undoubtedly redact a lot of it. They always do, whenever they have to release a bunch of information, half of it's redacted mm -hmm. if you're lucky. Mm -hmm. And it's all put on a floppy dish from Windows 95 and you have to look through 100 million of them to figure anything out. And uh, so that's the deal. So this is them getting ahead of it and using these Navy pilots as kind of a front for credibility and say this is the thing's going to go down. Lazar is saying that this is what they're doing. This is not the truth. They're not actually admitting the truth of it. The truth is we've been working on these things since Roswell. We've been reverse engineering these crafts to create technology that we have today. We use alien technology in our daily lives. And I, being Bob Lazar, worked on an alien spacecraft in which it used anti-gravity propulsion systems, unlike the propulsion systems we have now, using element 115. And also I saw an alien body when I was walking by one time when I was on my lunch break. Yes. So, but a little different. Too. Okay. Just, just have to add. A and little... then, no, then to round it out, we have to Stephen Greer. Wait, before we go to Stephen Greer, I have to add a hair of information to Bob Lazar. Mm -hmm. Okay. And Bob Lazar said, um, so what I think Bob Lazar is saying is that there's two things. I'm not going to show you on paper because you're fucking right here. I'll see. So it. I was going to be like, it's we're not on Zoom. Is that there are alien craft mm -hmm. that we were that we found or crash landed or shot down or whatever the fuck happened to them they're there and then we also built our own identical ones so the ones that bob worked on was the recreations and the reverse engineering of the original roswell spacecraft that crashed bob worked on the ones that crashed and the ones and i think that's and the ones that may exist after that but i think that which is what they're working at s4 but he basically said that he essentially 100 percent of his time just broke down mm -hmm. um, piece by piece the air the the crafts that crashed here. Mm -hmm. So I don't think he mentioned nothing that I read said that he mentioned uh, a whole lot about building them from scratch again. Okay. But so so the thing is that A tip is saying these are airspace threats that we don't understand. Mm -hmm. Bob Lazar is saying those are real and they crashed here at Roswell, mm -hmm. and they crashed here at later dates. And they're from other planets. And they're from other planets, 100%. And they have an advanced technology that we do not possess until we started reverse engineering it. And he, but Exactly, and Bob Lazar said that we reverse engineers and we can basically build these. I don't have any knowledge of Bob Lazar actually being part of those teams that made new ones, okay. but he basically was able to break them down piece by piece and say, mm -hmm. these are what these are. Gotcha. Um, that's his thing. So. Bob Lazar gives and Los Alamos is what I was thinking of earlier. Where he worked at. Really he worked at Los Alamos. Yeah, 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 yep. So Bob Lazar is giving credibility to ATIP, saying that yeah, those things are real, and the ones that I saw came from other planets. Okay. And we have the capabilities to recreate these, but doesn't I don't think he ever had any evidence of us actually doing it. Mm -hmm. And Greer is uh, saying about ATIP what then? Greer is saying that. Um, um, and Greer is more of the spiritual. If you believe hard enough to the aliens, they can he's talk to more. You. He seems like he's the direct pathway to interdimensional to the aliens, and he is he is saying throughout history and time that all of these cattle mutilations 
and um, abductions and other things are actually the Close encounters are the fifth kind. Well, not there yet. No, no. There, that these abductions and calculations and whatever it is are not the aliens. Oh, that's a fucking night breath of fresh air for this conversation. These are the government. And this is their version of trying to cover up what's actually It's taken decades. Well, why are they covering up? If you can if you can pray to the aliens and make them talk to you through spirituality, why do you have to cover it up by killing cows? I mean, it's not like Lazar thinks where there's actually is spacecraft and if they existed, you'd have to try to, you know, hide them from the public because of the panic, which you mentioned earlier. What does Greer think he's needing to hide? You're going to hide your, your spiritual circle with your friends in your basement? What the fuck is he hiding? You don't have to hide that. If you can only talk to aliens through interdimensional willingness and you know purpose within your consciousness, you don't have to hide it. There's no spacecraft to be found. There's no, no they're, smoking they're, they're gun. When he does this, they can be, it can be a feeling, a sight, a smell, a light, or whatever it is, or it can be a full-blown experience where they be touched. So it's spiritual and interdimensional, but there's, goes from there, there still like, is a, a physical spacecraft being traveling yes. through. So why? So it's like, what? What you pick a land? This is what That's he's all I'm saying. Yeah, I'm not saying this. Oh, no, I know, I know. I'm so talking, like, yeah, agree, not so yet. like fifth kind is like that that connecting directly with someone, but there go, it yeah. goes all the way like eight. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, but we, we but overall, Greer is, Greer is saying that um, that there's one multiple types of aliens. There's the reptilians, the greys, the whatever it is. There's a lot of different things. It, it seems like everyone's so sure of everything, and they don't know anything about it. I, He's sure of the reptilians, the aliens, or this, the that, the other thing. Well, it's How a, are you so fucking sure? I mean, well, it, it's, it's it more fun it, in your head if you think that it's going to be that way, the other thing. It breaks well, it you down. know, sometimes when we're spiritual, you can smell it, and sometimes you can't, and sometimes it's a spacecraft, and sometimes there isn't, based on what I, what the fuck do you know about it? Because it, it, it seems more, it fits into your narrative or whatever, and I'm sure the people that follow you want to believe that way too. That's how we think about things. That's how people like Lazar can say, well, obviously it's anti-gravity, therefore element 115. Nothing about creating a new element, as far as we understand, outside of science fiction and movies and books that this would make perfect sense for, we discovered a new element and it can make anti-gravity or it knows what dark matter is. These are science fiction tropes as far as we know. Just because there's a new concept doesn't mean it directly applies to something else you say. So even if these spacecraft are using anti-gravity, which is a theoretical physics term, we are pretty sure it exists. We don't know for sure. And we have no way how to make it. We have no idea how to make it. And making it does not constitute making a hyper heavy element that's unstable that automatically creates the reverse of what we know as physics just because it's a new element. When we discovered uranium and plutonium, we started to understand how we could use it to help split the atom and release thermonuclear force and radiation. Uranium doesn't make things different. It just sees a new way to how to see the world. We can utilize it in a certain way. The idea of finding a new element and being able to reverse gravity and things like that, just because we haven't heard of it before, it's bridge too far. It's one, it's just, it's more convenient. It's more of a keystone. It's a MacGuffin in the story to say, well, obviously this thing, it can do that. I've seen him talking about experiments where you can use LM 115 to bend light in his laboratory. Oh, God damn it. He lost half the tape. We can only see the part where it's not working. We can't see the part where it's bending around. What I'm saying about Bob Lazar is not that he's a charlatan or a liar or not that he's an expert. 
What I'm saying is he never graduated from MIT. He's never even enrolled there. Never been there. Pacifica University, I don't know what it is. There's no record of it ever existing. I'm sure he worked at Los Alamos because people there knew him and they saw him working there and he knew the facility himself. And obviously, he's a great propulsion expert because he built his own craft that he knows about. You can talk to him about it. He knows what he's talking about. But he's taking jumps beyond his own knowledge, which I respect going, going and pushing the boundaries, but treating that as I worked on these spacecraft, therefore anti-gravity, therefore 115, therefore aliens use 115 and use anti-gravity. That's the least scientific thing I ever fucking heard in my life from a guy who respected like that. I mean, that's just lazy ass thinking. And either he's so involved with himself that he's going to believe that going forward and people have to, or he's being willfully ignorant, which I don't think he is. I think he's bought in to this notion. And I think that he's on the path of trying to figure this out and maybe he will. But talking about it as if it is fact and talking about it as if he does understand what's going on there, it seems like he's pushing it. And I respect him for trying to push it, but I think he's pushing it too far. Saying things like going back on, you know, I, 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 there was alien bodies there. I saw them. I didn't see them. I, I, I don't want to talk about it. Um, I, I was thrown, I, I quit the military because I had to get this, this information out there. And the information was the military found out my wife was cheating on me. And so they fired me because they thought I'd be compromised. And now when I talk about it, they're trying to suppress my information. I mean, this guy seems too smart to me to fall into this conspiracy hole, which is why it makes him such a thrilling character because he's not the usual UFO head wacko guy, but he still has to fall into some of the same holes because his information doesn't get to pass the bar in that way. And that's what I think about Lazar as far as this shit goes. It's a good theory. I don't know. I just feel like it's, it's really easy for anyone, you, me, anyone listening to get into the one, two, three of it all. It's like, this is sing-songy talking of anyone. Even it expert is. scientists talk that way. Yeah. It was anti-gravity, they worked on it, reverse engineering, 115, and blah, 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 blah. Wait, wait, wait. One step at a time here. And the slower you slow it down, doesn't mean it's not true. But if you slow it down a bit, you hit the things in the middle. Just like Greer saying, you know, well, it's, it's intentions, it's spirituality, it's interdimensional. What are dimensions? What's in spirituality? Why, why is intention get through that? I'm sure he could explain it out to you, but I'd be willing to hear it step by step because if you hear it in one big slather, like the paint wiped across the canvas, it looks like one big painting. But if you take it bit by bit, it doesn't look so great. It's easier to see blah, puke it all out on the table like that. I, I, don't, I don't buy it all together. I buy the pieces. I respect people like Lazar for being smart about it and pushing the boundaries. Don't respect Greer as much, but you know, go ahead and I said more credibility for having more to lose for going for it than their average Joe out on you know the ranch in Nebraska. But even though I know that the government's gonna want to suppress this shit, I, I don't know if I can believe the other two more than a a tip as as much as I don't want to. So that those are my two cents on, on the whole thing now. Those are good two cents. Thanks. Yeah. My thing on them is is there's a lot of reasons why they could be wrong. Mm-hmm. Bob Lazar, maybe he just read radiation tags at the door. It's one theory. One person was like, yeah, he just because everyone has a name card sure. on their neck. Mm-hmm. And if they're exposed to too much radiation, which they which is not a secret for these these places, um, yeah. that tag shows up a different color sometimes. He's able to read those. Mm-hmm. That's one theory. Um, Stephen Greer... Why is he not practicing medicine anymore? That sounds like a pretty good move. 
Yeah, he's like cute. like we said, he's got he's he's got more to lose than the usual ufologist. Yeah, but what if something happened and he wasn't allowed to practice medicine? I don't, I don't oh, know. Oh, you're saying that he was denied the right to practice medicine? I'm not. It's not hard to get that revoked. Doctors right. are sued every day. Sure. Um, but I don't know. Was some you know? I'm not sure why Nothing. someone who who has such a intrinsic life, not only direction but career choice, with a serious investment in money and time to be a doctor. Right. Why go UFOs? You're a, a huge pop punk star who's got a new tour coming out this year and you leave the band Blink-182 to start pursuing a career in ufology. Yeah. That's a good example. The people are committed to this. Yeah, so for me, I just think that they both give it enough evidence to prove their credibility. You think they both have equally? You don't think one's more credible than the other? If you had to choose. It's, they can't be equally. Um, in your mind, you can believe both of them, but one of them has to be more credible than the other. Well, just by the nature, no offense to Stephen Greer, by the nature of, of the level of tangible evidence mm-hmm. they have, Bob Lazar is more credible than Stephen Greer, no question. Right. That's a fact. Um, Stephen I Greer... Think so yeah. So, um, Stephen Greer, what I don't like about Stephen Greer, and it's fine if he knows this, is that he name drops a lot in his documentaries. Constantly. Constantly, constantly, constantly. It's a good and way to ask your credibility without having anything to back from it. being in sales for so many years is that when people name drop too many times, it shows it, it's not good. Exactly right. It's not good. It's making up for your lack of experience and confidence to try to use... It's like almost like using cheat codes. Like, well, don't worry about me. I know this person, which gives me more credibility. Stephen Greer, and we didn't bring it up because he kind of fits into ATIP, but um, Tom DeLong name, name drop a lot. And they go... Tom DeLong goes... Well, Where are you? And I'm so sorry. I was sitting in a boardroom at the Pentagon with Colonel so-and-so, this person, yeah. Captain this. This is building your credibility. This is the CIA guy. This is the NSA guy. This is this guy. And we were all there together. I'm like, what I'm not crazy. Other people get paid to know shit, and they were there too. Well, what makes... So again, I'm not usually on your side of these things, especially when it comes to aliens, because I'm more on the benefit of the doubt side of things. Uh-huh. No question. Um, but what... But Tom... what make, And Stephen Greer, what makes me think that these people who work high up in seriously classified they have a level of clearance that you don't have you will not get mm-hmm. to get top secret clearance that they want to sit in a boardroom with you and discuss things when you're not in the government at all right yeah. you're at best in a private agency or a uh you know basically an llc yeah um, and they're not compelled to follow that any is of not the gonna rules help them go home every day to their wives or husbands and, say, and think that their job was well done. Right. Because in Project Blue Book, which was the most credible of any situations besides ATIP, if not more credible, because mm. ATIP had a lot of part-time people, Project Blue Book didn't. Mm. Um, this is, um, you know, I fooled my train of thought with Project Blue Book, is that so, basically yeah. all these things were the credibility. Credibility, yeah, yeah. Credibility, um, you know, what makes me think that all of these these situations and places want you there because you won't even get clearance. Right. And and that that. Do you think they're throwing them a bone in a kind of way? When Tom DeLong walks into what the Pentagon, of, if why, he ever did, isn't why, it, what would he get out of that? Isn't what, it? Just, they wouldn't give it. They wouldn't give him shit. I mean, I don't know, but maybe it's yeah, maybe it's just the kind of brushing them off kind of deal where it's like if we just throw this guy a bone. Oh, it's your saying, yeah. He can kind of just go off and say, I talked to them and that's that. We're not going to give them any information. Half truth, 
If right, we're, we're going to feed him what he wants to hear, and then we'll get him off our ass kind of deal. Maybe. Yeah, exactly, because he's going to go to do the... He's basically going to tell everyone gonna what the, he hears he's immediately. Gonna, he's going to do the process of media, um, uh, Senate, Department of Defense. Mm-hmm. He's going to go through the runs of things. So okay. so it's it's quite possible that's the way it goes through. So, But but my thing... So so we ready for, for some good conclusions on this? Because like, that's, so. that's kind of where we're at with this, is that like I, I do give all three people, A-Tip, Bob Lazar, Stephen Greer... Um, the benefit of the doubt. I really, really do. Mm. A tip threat. Bob Lazar, he saw the real crafts, not the government ones. And Stephen Greer is saying that this disclosure is going to be staged. And here's why. All right. Let's get into my final, my favorite segment. My final segment. Favorite. Final segment. Final thoughts. So when these, just as I set up for the final thoughts, when these information, these documents, I was going to say, this, this information beyond just documents, just documents, maybe, yeah. yeah. When this does drop in early June, if there's information that's pertinent, we're going to definitely do another podcast about this to see how we it went to, down, yeah. based on what we talked about here. Obviously, if it's the, if we have a 1 to 10 scale, and 1 is a completely blacked out document full of nothing that says business as usual that's a one and a ten is we have been regularly visited by alien life forms and we've been hiding from you this entire time if it's a ten we're gonna do a podcast anyways because the world's gonna be different mm-hmm. if it's a five we're gonna do it because we just talked about this and there's yeah. information for it so we're gonna do it either way so, so I would I have like a to different ten huh I have a different ten as a proposition for you so here's my ten my 10. Margot Robbie. That's my guess. I don't know what that means. She's a 10, baby. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> can we pull a picture of her so I can, when I watch this, I can see her? Oh, I yeah. I think it's used to bring up Margot Robbie. Yeah. I don't know who Margot Robbie is. Oh, boy. Well, you might agree with me. I'm doing it. God. I hope I agree with you. you represented by Margot Robbie, and I can't even tell if she's hot or not. Um, I'm taking You won't be disappointed. All right. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. So. Um, I think the 10 in the situation is the scene in Mars Attacks when the, when the general meets the fucking alien. That's the 10. <laughs> well said, Joe. So that's the 10. All right. And the 1 is likely what I think this is. So I think that this is All right. going to be wildly disappointing. I agree with you. And here's why. So, so again, 10 is that, all right, guys, uh, tomorrow... At the Pentagon or at the White House, um, the mothership's gonna land, coming down, and then it's gonna come here and do that. The symbol of Mars, and then that's a fucking ten. It's not happening. The one is what's likely to happen. Is that so? We didn't talk about the UAP task force. So in 2012, uh, A Tip ended. Um, Luel Zondo got Mm -hmm. laid off and had to go work at Wendy's. This organization (laughs) that was. He went to go fucking make documentaries with Tom DeLonge. That's exactly what happened, actually. Yeah, so... Uh, but, um, yeah. but yeah, this task force... That, I mean, not, not task force. This organization that was... What, it was $90 million they... they 22. 22, sorry. I'm exaggerating. Uh, 20, $22 million was made. They, they closed that. They said the program's over. Yep. And then now we have this new... Uh, yeah, so program run Project Blue Book that lasted like a decade. Yeah. Um... Project, the number two is ATIP, and number three, now they've re, 
established the ATIP as the UAP Task Force. So the Unidentified the, Aerial Phenomenon Task Force. Yes, and it's probably by the, and we're slapped at the, table the DOD or the Air Force or all the above or Space Force, whatever the fuck, I don't know. Space but, Force, So their first project. No one even knows, whatever. So like, I mean, sure people know, but like overall, the whole point of this is that they've made it crystal clear in the background of all these videos over the past year or two since we had the TikTok video showed that um, they can't wait to tell you that all these fighter pilots are made fun of. Really? And Try to discredit them in some way. They're trying to be discredited. And that for decades since the 40s, this was a massive cover-up. So they created the UAP, UAP Task Force to document and normalize sightings so they can investigate them further. So coming out in... Um, uh, you know, let's say June fifth or sixth or fifteenth or whenever it's supposed to be, they're gonna say that, okay, yep, we've had sightings, we've had a lot of unidentified phenomenon going on in our skies for the past eighty years. Yeah. Um, and we're not sure what to think of this, and we had programs in place, aka Blue Book and ATIP, to document these, but most of that information is gone, and it wasn't taken seriously. And um, but from here on out. We're going to do our best to make sure that we record oh, and analyze every single situation here so we can get to the bottom of this, whether it's Russia or China or aliens or whatever it is, and they're going to give us no fucking information. And they're going to they're gonna give you a few classic examples. saying. We've been it, lying to you for years, but now we promise we'll stop. Exactly. They're going sure to they're gonna throw in another three videos from F-18 Hornets on forward looking at Fred Radar and another couple of things from the USS Princeton and Nimitz Carrier Group in 2004 yeah. and say that, yeah, here's some more. We see it. We know. We don't know what it is, but we're making sure that we're going to let you guys know as the public that we're going to keep... Back looking. under the rug we go. We're, we're going to keep looking into this. Exactly. We're going to keep looking into this and we're going to let you guys know every we step We promise of the way. we're going to try our very best. That's exactly it. So that's my, my, my hear thing. hear that bullshit. But, yeah. and, and the thing is, is that a lot of these air... So these sightings have been coming into fruition over the past 10, 20 years, and they've been more documented. Stephen Greer thinks that every single one of them is staged by the government to help disclosure in the next couple months. Mm -hmm. um, so I even know this is the peak, just to let the viewers understand, because I understand what you're saying. Mm -hmm. This peak of information we're finally getting after decades of silence... They're already calling out as, we finally got the information we wanted. No, we didn't. It's just another lie again. Yep. And it's not, but it's more sophisticated because it's not that this is fake, mm. um, that, that Commander Fravor didn't see that. He saw it, but right. it's, it goes back to Bob Lazar saying that these are reverse engineer craft from the U.S. government, mm. and they happen to be all over the... So these aren't alien spaceships they're showing you. They're U.S. spaceships built of alien technology, and we're going to use that use as a smokescreen. to help... You know, pilots, you know, when they go out on test flights to see if they can track these things. Hmm. And that sounds like it's the case because, like, I think they should use it as a military technology. I mean, imagine if you got you hold of a, a, of a Nighthawk in 1950 and you were like, this is a Great stealth stuff. bomber. We should use it to teach our Mustang pilots to see if they can check them out. You should use it to bomb. The Germans with it, right? So if you have alien spacecraft, you shouldn't use it to train your Navy pilots off the coast of Virginia to spot them. You should use it to fight the enemy, right? Or are they too worried they're showing their hand too soon? Who knows? Kind of like when you break the Enigma machine, you have to kind of 
give up some fights because you yeah, can't yeah. show your hand fully exactly. to say, oh, if we really show them what we really have, they're going to know it, and then that'll be that. Exactly. And the real okay. ones, the real UFOs are the ones that were at, uh, you know, ICBM and Minuteman missile launch sites that um, shut down the whole facility. Oh, we didn't they, even bring that up. There has been a, a reports of... Oh, so many reports. This, this these, is hard for me to believe, very hard for me to believe, but I do understand the people that reported on it, including Lazar and George Knapp that report on all this shit, that there's UFOs that have come over international ballistic, or international ballistic missile sites, nuclear missile sites, and shut them down. Yeah. Which should be a, a huge report whether or not it's UFO related. If your nuclear arsenal is shut down... That's a fucking big deal. Yeah. I don't care why it happened. I don't care if it's a fucking uh, butterfly landed on the nose tip or if an alien spacecraft came down. You'd think that would be a, a bigger deal than it seems to be. It was a big deal. And these were reported. Yeah. They were, were shown. So I think that that's not the U.S. government. That is actually them looking and at the Russian government. Best, best interest. Happened in Ukraine as well, I think. It's, I think it's one, happened one to every, probably everybody. These are, we, me and Joe didn't disclose pretty much anything in this entire podcast. But I feel like we disclosed a lot. A lot, but there's a, so much more of out course, there. Of course. This is if all, you guys uh, dig deeper. Get into all the, the, the and, George Greer and the fucking... Uh, what's his name? George Greer and, and uh, Bob uh, Stephen Lazar. Bob Lazar. Get in there. <laughs> Yeah, get in all of it. Get in all the shit. Uh, Tom DeLonge, I was trying to Tom DeLonge get in his shit. But yeah, yeah. so so this is. I want to hear your prediction for what we're gonna see on June sixth. That's just that it's gonna be a smokescreen of what that is. It's gonna be a very little. Um, they're gonna barely disclose what has happened in the past eighty years, mm-hmm. um, and say we don't know a whole lot about it. These reports are missing. Or we knew about it, but we did, there wasn't a whole lot of information. But moving forward, here is what we're going to do. That's exactly what it's going to be. It's going to be a, yeah, this all uh, may or may not be true in the past. We know, our, we've know we known about these problems for a while. But from 2021 on, yeah. we're going we're gonna to encourage our service members to, to report any sightings we have. Because yes. we have entire aircraft carriers or with the USS Princeton... Um, they have the Princeton footage is amazing. Mm. It's literally from like a gun camera that just shows what's going yeah, on. Yeah, look at the video. And there's of people. There's people. The pill, as it were. Yeah, exactly. There's like multiple, maybe like five or six guys who are like, "All right, there it goes again." Wow, holy shit, there it is. The like, audio is very compelling. It's too. amazing, and same same with like the 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 fighter pilot ones is compelling. Yeah, but I think the ship one is even more compelling. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because like, oh damn, got it, boy. Like, yeah, like, it's like really cool from the aircraft, but from it the is. Princeton, like. They're just sitting on a fucking boat, like, damn, wow, all right, that's it, yeah, look at this, holy shit, like, for sure, it's amazing, you know, and they're going in the water, out of the water, mm. um, it's 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 pretty nuts. So I think that disclosure in a, in a few days is not going to be disclosure. It's going to be a we're the government and um, we know these things exist and it's not uh, and and here's what we're going to do about it moving forward. Yeah. Not not any admittance to. We've been lying to you guys. There's for no 80 years. way it's not gonna be fucking happening. They're not gonna say we've been lying for. 80 There's no years way they're gonna say we're since gonna... Roswell. No. Not a chance. I mean, of all the shit we found out about things that have been hidden from us in the past, and our government, never mind the centuries of our governments hiding things from their people. There's no good version of the relationship between us and our government. It's it's very much a parent and child, and very little uh, you know, a husband and wife relationship where it's like. 
I'm sorry, I want to do better. There's no version of that. You can never yeah. admit fault because you're afraid to lose control. Mm-hmm. Just like you can't tell your kids when you fuck Trust up. Trust control. Good parents yep. tell their kids when they fucked up when it is important. You don't mm-hmm. always tell your kids when you fucked up because then you lose control. And everything, yeah. There you go. Um, so, yeah, my, my final thoughts on it is that I think that you're probably dead on accurate on what's going to happen when the, the files come out. I think it's going to be a whole lot of we're admitting these things existed and we're going to do better in the future for doing it. Obviously, lying about that. Uh, but, yeah, I think it's an interesting concept on it. Uh, although, like, I am very specu- uh, skeptical, rather, when I'm talking about all these different topics of these different spacecrafts and things like that because... It's so easy, as I said, to jump from thing to thing to thing, and you want to fast forward all the way to the end game, which is, this is an alien, and here it is right now. I think you have to take steps in between that. And I think that talking to people uh, who have been in the military, who who recognize it, versus seeing a guy in Kansas who saw a a burned circle in his field and his cow got murdered, I think there's a world of difference between those two things. And I think that one of them is much more credible whether or not it's true, and one of them is a lot, lot less credible, whether or not it's true or not. And I'm much more leaning on the credibility of, like I said, high-tech instruments, multiple witnesses, reporting, things like that. So I think it's interesting. I'm very interested in where this shit's gonna go down. I'm not willing to say it's one thing or the other, just because I wanna remain skeptical on all this. I've been on record on this podcast saying that I believe there is aliens out there. I believe there's tons of them. I believe they're intelligent. There's probably a lot that are even more intelligent than us and have technology that we don't understand. This fits the bill for all of that. Um, But the role of us in using the scientific method and understanding the world as we do is to take it each step along the way. So many times in the past, we've misstepped by diving into the pool before realizing what the temperature is. And I think it's important for us to understand this shit before we freak out about it. Yes, the government's lied to us in the past. Yes, people have been disproven with their alien encounters and their psychopaths. There's been schizophrenic people who believe in aliens. There's been MIT scientists who believe in aliens. It's it's a whole spectrum of shit. John F. Kennedy. Sure. I don't know about that particular case. Yep. But there you go. So there's a whole spectrum of people who believe in this shit. And they're not all crazy and they're not all geniuses. The truth is somewhere in the middle there. And I don't think... Just because these spacecraft exist, that it's a death, definitive proof of alien intelligence on Earth. There's so much in between there. People like to put in their intentions saying like, ooh, they're trying to show us something. They wanted to teach us something. Oh, we're using it to reverse engineer shit. It seems like there's a lot in between those two things that people are peppering it in. And I'm not willing to choose one side or the other in that way. I don't think that it's all one way or all the other way. But... In my mind, I'm really excited to learn more about it, and I, and I really want there to be alien spacecraft out there, but um, I don't think that we have used their technology yet, and I think if we do study their technology, it's going to take a bit for us to understand it, and I don't think that we understand anti-gravity at all yet. We hardly understand the way that gravity works in the world. It's very difficult to understand mm-hmm. about it. It's an very amazing right. concept, so and right. I think that if there ever was a case of alien spacecraft you could travel within galaxies and can travel at you know Mach 5 plus speeds and stop on a dime like these spacecraft seem to do that's well beyond our understanding of how um, uh, aircraft or spacecraft work and I hope that we figure out what the fuck it is because that would be fucking cool if we could figure that out and we'd be on our first step to be kind to becoming the kind of aliens that these aliens might be or whatever these things are
it could also be us in the future. And that's the podcast. <laughs> and that's it, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen. That's the Dylan Joe with a J basement podcast reporting on the 60 minutes episode that came out last week regarding UAP unidentified aerial phenomenon phenomenon do 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 phenomenon and where your resident semi experts on the topic and we uh we just gave you a uh three-tiered version of what uh little roswell crash course crash right in the desert three things are going on so we have not just this is a threat this is real this is staged the whole thing let us know what your opinions are in the comment and before we finish up we want to give a shout out to our first self-proclaimed super user christopher hatch yeah thanks chris Thanks, Chris. We fucking love people listening all the time. We really appreciate you guys uh, engaging with the podcast and stuff. It really makes us uh, really happy. And we really appreciate it. That's we, awesome. We seriously appreciate it. And, Thank you. Um, and uh, congratulations on coming in um, top 20 in the one lap of America. For those of you who don't know, it's like, uh, I think you have eight days to do a big circle from like Texas to like Michigan. 800 miles, something like that? No, it's more than that. Really? A thousand Yeah, it's miles? like over a thousand. Wow. Um, where you do, uh, you know, and he was one of the first people to do it in an electric car. Tesla <laughs> Model 3, with a couple modifications, and uh, him and uh, Kevin Waters, also a listener, um, kick some serious fucking ass. Hell yeah, boy. Good job out there. Keep it up. And for everyone else, please follow him on Instagram on Track My EV. Um, figure out what a Tesla can do compared to a GT3. It's a serious, serious close neck game. How fucking yeah, man. With electricity. But, uh, for the rest of you folks out there, keep your eyes on the skies and keep your ears to the fucking wire because we're going to find out what we're going to hear coming up here about uh, uh, UAPs, UFOs, and the like. Yeah, you'll hear back from us soon. So that's it, boys. We love you guys and girls, and we'll see you next week. <clears throat>